0: You are listening to The Techie Leadership Show with Bogdan and Andrei. Hello and welcome to The Techie Leadership Show. Today with me I have Dwayne Cummings. He likes to find the uncommon where others see the common, by filtering in versus filtering out. Dwayne is honored to be known as a servant leader who continues to flip The organizational chart and defines CEO as constantly elevating others. And that's a great definition. I love it. He focuses on making the world a better place by serving others. His aim is to die empty by sharing his gifts and talents to help people turn challenges into opportunities, gain clarity, and begin living life on their own terms. He learned the importance of teamwork and leadership skills while he was in his early life and also then while serving in the US Army. All that work later provided championships as a professional soccer player and coach. After retiring from athletics, he transitioned to the business world and held several executive and management positions before launching his own startup wholesale clothing line, the Duke and Duchess company. Over the last 15 years, he joined forces as partners in or owner of companies in a variety of industries and has been asked to lead numerous unique projects. Hi, Duane, and welcome to the show.
1: Oh, thanks, Andre. I appreciate it. I'm grateful and humbled to be here.
0: Oh, I appreciate a lot you being on the show. And with all your experience, I'm really curious because you served in the U.S. Army and then you went into professional uh, athletics and being a soccer player and a coach. And then you transitioned in the business world. So that's a lot of stuff. A lot of leadership evolves (laughs) in those Yeah, you,
1: yeah I like to say you learn how to make a lot of mistakes so <laughs> yeah yes. but hopefully you learn from those mistakes but yes
0: and that's the whole goal of mistakes is to learn stuff and become better it's not oh, I made a mistake I'm not good at it just stop it here
1: <laughs> right so many people are timid and fearful of making a mistake and, and leaders don't allow for people to make mistakes so it's real tough to grow if you don't make mistakes. You know, oh, there are yeah. certain mistakes okay. you, you can't, you can't afford to make. Um, but most mistakes you can afford to make and you can recover from.
0: Exactly. And it's, um, you, you should encourage your people at least to do small mistakes so they can grow. And you can see them as training wheels. Sometimes the training wheels, which are like, will touch the ground, but that's how they learn to pedal. And you can, you build a, uh, an organization that you can have faith in them, that they can do stuff and you can go on vacations, actually.
1: <laughs> right. And, and kind of a byproduct of mistakes that some people forget about is you find out how passionate somebody truly is about something. Because if they make a mistake and they just mm. give up on it, they probably didn't really have passion or care about that. But if they make a mistake and they double down and work twice as hard, then you know their heart is there and their passion is there.
0: So basically, mistakes, you can see them as an indicator of passion. Never thought about, about that that way.
1: Oh, yeah, I, I truly believe <laughs> it. And that's why I, I, some people call them a test, right? So let me put you to the test. But I don't even, I don't even look at it like that. It's, it's more benign than that. If somebody makes a mistake and then they pick themselves up and try even harder, you know they really care. They have you know passion or um, you know, they, they really want to get something accomplished.
0: Oh, yes. and. Thank you for sharing that insight because I never thought about it like that. And now I hope that this small conversation actually would embolden people to, one, they themselves take make take more risks and make more mistakes, especially if they're not the fatal kind, and also uh, embolden their own team teammates to also take risks because that's how everybody grows.
1: That's right. Yeah. I, I liken it to eating different foods, right? So if you try a food from another culture, another country, and and you don't really like it, it's okay. You, you don't have to eat it again, but at least you have knowledge. Um, but if you love it, now you just found out something that's new to you that you can be passionate about. Um, and so in business and with leaders, you definitely need to let your team try things that they might not succeed at. You know, most people want to hedge their bets and win every time, but I think there's, uh, more to be gained if you don't know the outcome every time. So.
0: And that's such a powerful analogy, at least for me, because I am a foodie. And I like <laughs> when visiting a country to try all the local foods at least once to see if I find something new, something that I can use, and I maybe even inspire my own cooking at home. And I, I find it a little sad because I, I have friends and I, I've known people that they go to another country and they find, they look for restaurants like back home, like their own ethnic restaurants, never stepping out to try something different.
1: Which I believe it's a shame. (laughs) Yeah. And if you liken that to business, then those are the type of people that are, whenever there's a challenge in your company, they're probably going to be the ones to first say, well, we've always done it this way, or this worked last time. And so when you find and face new challenges, Um, they are probably not going to be the ones to come up with new answers because they haven't explored or they haven't stretched themselves. So there's a correlation to a lot of the way people live their personal life as to how they're going to show up in your company.
0: For sure. And Dwayne, I'm really curious because you you have such a rich experience professionally. I'm really curious about your stories. So what would be the biggest leadership success story you witnessed personally?
1: Wow. Um, well, I've, I've been very blessed. When I was the CEO at LeaderCast, I got to work around, you know, Nobel Peace Prize winners like Malala Yousafzai and people like that. But um, I, I actually think it has to do with a guy that was the founder of EFS, which is the oil and gas company that I was involved in and I became the COO of. And, and I would say that it was because he walked – the talk um, meaning he embodied or he demonstrated all the things that I believe a great leader should demonstrate. And to give you an example, this is an oil and gas company. Um, And so they, there are, you know, oil facilities all over North America that we owned and ran. And he would show up um, because they're going on 24 hours a day. He would show up and we would be together. He would go somewhere at maybe two in the morning at a very remote site where there was no one really around except for the workers that are on that site. And and he would never get out of the car and say, you know, like, here I am, I'm the owner. In fact, most people didn't even know he was the owner. He would show up and wow. ask, you know, oh, yeah, he would show up and ask how people were. And he would always have extra uh, drinks and snacks and things for people. And so if they said, well, we, we haven't had a chance to take a break, he'd just give it to him. Um, if there was trash around the site, he wouldn't berate people. He would just grab a trash bag and start picking up trash and that kind of thing. And so then we would consequently leave and people would be like, "Well, who who is that? Who is that guy?" And they would go yeah. and look at the sign yeah, they would go and look at the sign-in sheet um, at the security checkpoint and they would realize that the person that signs their check every week was that guy. Right? And so Whoa. very humble and and servant mindset, which are the two for me a great leader and leadership success comes around to being humble and having a servant mindset and he embodied both of those. So yeah, Mark Snodgrass, I, I've actually written about him, um, good friend, and he, he just, y- you know he's the leader, but he never has to say it, if that makes sense.
0: Yes, and that's when you are a leader, when you don't have to start every conversation, you know I am the CEO of the company, and here I am. Actually, just and what Mark did, I find it like, one of the goals you, you will want to achieve as a leader is going to an off-site or a different office or where people actually would report to you, but you, you go there and they don't know what your rank is and what how and just through your presence and your care and your serving attitude, they work with you and they, uh, they respond to you in a way that actually recognizes the fact that you're a leader. And then afterwards, they find out about your title. And I think that's more more empowering for you as a leader and also for them because they realize, hey, I'm not working for a snob, and he's a relatable person. And, yeah, it's cool to be in this company because of the kind of leadership we have.
1: Yeah, he, he definitely, you know, after those kind of interactions and then word would spread, he he garnered a sense of loyalty um, and open communication that was great amazing you know because then the next time he would come around they would say oh you you kind of tricked us he said no i'm i'm just here to (laughs) serve i'm just here to help you do a good job and and he would listen and you know if they had complaints or concerns he would definitely address them so yeah that's he's probably in person um i mean i've seen people at arm's reach like i said or like a, a desmond tutu or people like that but in person right side by side shoulder by shoulder definitely the biggest leadership success story yeah
0: Yeah. and could you give out other example of benefits of leading in this way like what other results did he get like that you were like surprised
1: (laughs) um well yeah i i wasn't as surprised as i was um gratified and happy to see that that type of leadership style works. so I, i mentioned loyalty um Open communication and dialogue. So when when he would arrive and people wouldn't know who he was, you know maybe maybe somebody would start complaining about something and he would say, well, you know, that's a fair complaint. You know, maybe we should talk to somebody about that. Maybe we should address this. And then he would kind of ask, you know, our, and you're you're sure you're doing your job right, right? You're do, you're being safe and you're doing all these things because if that's the case, then we really need to support you better. And and he was, you know, he was a great listener. And so then when they found out later that he was willing to listen to them, then of course they are always willing to listen to you. And, and because he was out there, um, you know, at two in the morning or on a weekend when, when most people that are in executive or ownership positions are at home or on their boat or relaxing, he would take the time to go out in those times. And so then people knew that he really did care. It wasn't like he showed up between normal business operating hours, you know, Came out there, waved, took a picture, and left. He was really, really involved in their life. So, um, yeah, I think the derivatives are all of those people at that point started to begin to feel like they were owners. Instead of being workers, they were working as an, they took ownership because they knew that their owner cared. You know, so that's a real great byproduct of servant leadership and demonstrating those type of things.
0: Whoa. Well, then- and, if you can inspire your people to feel like they're owners, that really creates a powerful company. And I'm I'm sure that uh, the company that Mark led was really successful.
1: Uh, it, it was one of the fastest growing and scaling companies um, that I've ever seen. And yes, we sold to a publicly traded company within a couple of years. Um, but yeah, I think... You, you really just have to demonstrate, which is what he did. And then, you know, people, people will surprise you. And you used the word inspire a moment ago. I love yeah. that word versus motivation because most leaders, you know, they have that carrot and the stick or the whip and they're, you know, they're talking about pay raises and maybe bonuses or I'm going to lay you off or fire you. So there's always that fear oh, yeah. element. Yeah. And in, inspiration is, you know, to breathe into and so when you breathe life into somebody else and, and inspire them by your works or by sharing the works of others, they will do the right thing even when you're not there. And that's what really exactly. ended up happening. So when, when he was gone and he was in another state or back at the home office, he had no worry that somebody in the middle of nowhere at two in the morning was going to do the right thing because he had already demonstrated what doing the right thing was. They were inspired.
0: Yes. Because he walked the talk, so he's not just right. bragging. Oh my God! There, there's there, there's nothing more discouraging, at least in my opinion, for for a, for a team or a workforce, whatever you want to call it, than to have leaders always declaring all kinds of stuff, and you can see that the next moment they themselves they break their own words.
1: All right. Yeah, and that's probably athletics helped me with that because if you're ever going to be a captain or something like that, you take on more responsibility. And I and I always used to say, coaches lose games and players win games because if you do it right, you know, you praise them for success and then you take the responsibility in public for the for not winning. But then in private, you have honest, challenging, tough conversations with your team. But I think great leaders should be doing the same thing. You you always create a, an environment where your people feel safe with your leadership.
0: And how did athletics change your leadership mindset?
1: Um, well, it, in multiple ways. So I, I kind of look at sometimes that I grew my leadership initially through athletics because I was a player early on, but then I had several injuries. So I got into coaching earlier than most people do earlier in my career but I was still young and naive and, um, yeah, I had a lot to learn. I I still,
0: we all were sometimes. So,
1: yeah. And, and, and I would like to say that I'm still naive. I don't know that I'm so young anymore, but yeah. Um, so athletics, because there's a finite goal every time, whether it's to win a game or win a championship or whatever, unlike a company, which is, has an, Uh, Infinite goal, right? Sustain and keep making profits and keep growing. With athletics, there's always a finite goal, and so you're always being measured. And your leadership, you know, is a reflection of those results, or those results are a reflection of your leadership. Um, So if you if you don't get the results you want, and you don't have the leadership skills you need, you are exposed in a hurry. You know, so the
0: feedback loop is really short.
1: Yeah. That's right. (laughs) So I I think that's one of the ways that athletics helped me. And because I was involved in uh, soccer or football, and we had a diverse culture, people from South America, Europe, Africa, North America on the team, you have to learn how to fit different people and personalities together to accomplish a goal. So that those kind of lessons I learned in athletics definitely transferred into the business world instantly. And yeah. and everybody has different goals too, right? So some players come in with an individual mindset where they want to be a leading scorer, whatever, but they have to fit into the team goal and you have to do a great job of explaining as a coach, what your role is, how it impacts the team and why every person's role is important for us to achieve the outcome we're looking for. So that's the same thing in a corporation.
0: And Dwayne, because now the workplaces are becoming more international. You can have colleagues from all over the world or, offices that you have to work with them and on the same project. Uh, it, it is isn't a way like on, on a team. So I'm really curious, what did you do to bridge the cultural differences between the different team players to make them work together?
1: Well, it's, it's interesting. And, and this is a, a friend of mine, his name, Ricardo Gonzalez. He's the founder of Bilingual America. Uh, he's, he wrote a book called The Six Stages of Cultural Mastery. And I've been friends with him for a long time. And I was there with him during that journey of writing the book. And it was really interesting because before he wrote the book, I kind of found out that I was doing some of these things without even knowing they were important. So awesome. one of them, yeah, so I felt very fortunate. So one of them was education. So the more you can learn about someone else, you know, the more you can be empathetic to them or have empathy, which is another one of those things. And, and you can put yourself in their shoes. So some things you can't do, like I've been married uh, 32 years. We have two sons. I can feel for my wife, but I can never truly understand what it was like to be pregnant. But, yes. you know, I can, I can carry around, you know, 30 extra pounds on my front or something like that to, to try to get as close to that as I can. So educating about, you know, life in Africa, life in Asia, life in South America, life in Europe, whatever. That, then I can kind of start putting my, you know, self in those people's positions. But on our team, we would we would have just as much time off the field learning about each other as we did on. So learning about you know what people value, what their beliefs are, you know what inspires them. Um, we share different foods from different cultures, and then not only the food, but why that food. You know, in some places they're eating very bland food because that's all that was available to them, right? Or poor cuts of meat because they can't afford to go get you know, like here in America, where you can get anything you want. Yes. Um, you know, certain cultures, how they are loyal and listen to their elders. They, you know, they have a different level of reference for their elders. So perhaps their their grandparents or even great grandparents stay in their home with the family until they pass. Um, you know, that, that's not always the same for everybody else. So really getting to understand, educate, being empathetic, um, that allowed us to begin to endear each other you know to each other and and so then you really care about that person because you know what makes them tick and uh, you know what goals they have and what dreams they have and um, you know what they're passionate about and so when you start understanding in that depth you can make a difference now in some corporations it's tough because there's this separation of this is my business life and that's my personal life and you know please don't ask me any questions or stay out of my business But um, you definitely need to find some common ground and understand what's driving those other people so that you can figure out how to serve them well. You know? Yeah.
0: And it sounds like by learning so much about different cultures and different people, you actually yourself improved on your view on the world.
1: Yeah, because then um, you can begin to be a bridge builder. So as a leader, that's your job, right? Is you're always building bridges. Some people call things networking or connecting or putting teams together or leading an organization, but you're just building bridges. And the, if you build a bridge on, some, on a side or a foundation that's not solid, it will inevitably crumble. So your job is always to search in others what's solid and, and what's going to be there and kind of what's at their core. So then you can make those solid bridges or connections.
0: Yes. And, It's important. That's one of the major roles that you have as a leader. And uh, with with, uh, that in mind, uh, Dwayne, let's switch a little gears. And I'm really curious, what is the biggest leadership failure we had the unfortunate experience of witnessing?
1: Ooh. So um, if we're being totally transparent and honest, we could easily point out in others – failures, right? Whether they're yes. corporate failures, whether they're political failures, wh- whatever it is, we could point those things out. But, but I would rather uh, kind of turn that light on myself. Now, for one, I actually usually don't use the word fail. It's almost hard for me to say. It's, you know, it's like the F word that I don't like to say. <laughs> um, it, but because there's so much negative stigmatism attached to that word right? So if a child fails in school, then they just, it changes who they are and their trajectory. But but I have made some huge mistakes. And so my biggest leadership, huge mistake, um, it it kind of dovetails with what you asked earlier about what did I learn as a coach through athletics. So when I became um, the the head coach and general manager of a professional team, I had actually played with many of those players. And so I kind of had biases. And I was a little... Yeah, and I was insecure because now I'm a young guy, but I'm in, a, I'm in a position. And I was still young in my mind, in my leadership mind, where I thought title is what made you a leader. And I thought, you know, I have to control and show everybody else that I have all the answers and I'm the boss, which was a horrible mistake. And, and I actually released two players in the middle of the season who went to play for another team – and to make a long story short, they beat us in overtime, in extra time, um, in the playoffs. And oh. so they were, of course, well, they were inspired to come back and show me that I had made a mistake, right? Yes. And Yeah. And, and in reality, when I faced myself in the mirror, the only reason, those, those players were great players, but I was concerned about them being a disruption in the locker room because they had strong personalities. And I was worried about them not agreeing with me when in reality, I should have harnessed their energy, and they would have helped us win a championship that year. And fortunately, um, through mentorship and people telling me, you know, things I needed to improve on, I've gone back and I made amends with those guys. And we're friends to this day, one of them I'm real close with. And we talk about different projects all the time, et cetera. And I think some of that had to do with because I admitted that I made a horrible mistake. You know, and. And people will give you grace and forgive you when they realize that you're sincere. You don't have no, an agenda. You just grew as a person and you learn because we all make mistakes. So uh, the the biggest leadership um, I'm going to call it a mistake. I know you, you called it the F word, just kidding. Uh, (laughs) Um, um, But, but I would say that that one always, that one helped me grow more than any other. I've made a lot of them, but that one helped me grow more than others.
0: Um. And I'm really curious because you said like you came in with biases because you're used to play with, uh, with them and then you became mm-hmm. like the coach. Um, how did that impact like your ability to, to lead them?
1: Yeah, that's a very great question because, um, when you're with somebody and you're playing and you're training, you know, what being said under your under their breath about the the current coach right so when we would be practicing together and i was a player you know their their opinions of the ownership you know how they feel about their contract how they feel about signing autographs for players after a game that we lost you know all that and so you know what a great leader will do which i was not a great leader at the time i don't know that i still am i'm working on it but what a great leader will do is is they will they will create an environment where you can have courageous conversations and they will talk about mm. the elephant in the room. So what I should have done looking back on it hindsight is I should have sat down with those people individually first. So they had a safe place, a safe haven and said, listen, we've been together as players for a long time. So I know how you feel and how you think, um, help me understand how I'm going to be, how I'm going to be able to serve you well as a coach, a general manager, knowing what I currently know, like help me to serve you well, right? Which is what I think leadership is all about. And that's why I said we could pick a lot of people that have other people that have made mistakes because by my definition, they're not serving the people they lead well. I could have done that and I think it would have made a huge difference.
0: Yes, And, and that's important because even if you get like you work in a corporate environment and you're really good at your job and you get promoted inside your team to be the manager or the leader of the team you will also have different biases because you used to do the work with those people mm-hmm. but and you have to do like you need to have courageous conversations with them and create an environment where they trust you and they come with you and show them that you actually want to resolve all the old gripes and all the situations that weren't so pleasant while you work you were a colleague so i find this story like really important and it applies not just in sports also applies in business, and in any situation where a person gets promoted from being like a team member and being like the leader of the of the team.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. It is so important. There are so many parallels. By the way, I feel like I have, a, I've kind of, I've got a leg up on everybody else, or I've had an advantage because I was, when I went through sports because I learned so many important lessons that transferred to business. And you know, there's very few times where you get promoted. Like when I became a CEO, no one handed me a book that said, this is exactly how you're supposed to be a CEO. You know, there there, there were books that was a book, right? A manual for your exact job. And so you, what you do is you think back to all the CEOs you've ever known or what you think a CEO should be. And then you, you start behaving that way. And so if you had great examples, awesome. But if you had poor examples, uh uh-oh. And so when you get promoted within a team, um, if you've never seen it, you don't know even how to act. There's not a playbook for it. And if you have seen it, you're probably going to behave the way that you saw. Or you're going to behave the exact opposite because you say, like, I'll never do what that person did. Right? So, yeah.
0: And you really have to be careful when you get promoted to look at what biases you might have. Because especially if you know the team that you're going to lead and you work with them some people you're going to favor because they were your friends some people there were like a little more competition with them or you didn't right. like their work style and you really have to as a as a leader your job is not to put people down if they if you if you feel like it wasn't your 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 their place there to help them grow and get beyond their own limiting beliefs
1: that's exactly right you said that you know, so well, we should put that on a t-shirt and hand that out. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and so when you get promoted around your peers, it's so important to go back to them and let them know what your intentions are and communicate with them and, and let them know you are there to help them be better versus you just got promoted. In fact, great leaders, what they do is, is they make sure that the, they know that they have a different area of responsibility or a Accountability, but they never feel like they're superior. It's everybody has a role. Oh. Everybody, right? Everybody. We're all humans. We all have fears, challenges, things we have to get accomplished. My role is just different than yours. My accountability and responsibility is just different than yours. That's all. I'm n- I'm not more important than you. So the the yes. person that yeah the person that answers the phone at a company is just as important. It would, I, I believe you should make them just as important as the CEO. Now, their role is different, and their day-to-day decisions may or may not impact the company the same way that the CEO does, but they are just as important. I try, like, it, it, think about it like a car. Is the steering wheel more important than the four tires? No. No. It's a different, but yet you, you can't get anywhere without the steering wheel, and you can't get anywhere without tires on the car. So, you know, there are certain things, and, and by the way, none of the things happen unless somebody puts the key in. So it's, it's <laughs> yes. not about who's more important. It's just about your responsibility at that time. That's all.
0: And Dwayne, based on all your experiences, what would be your leadership philosophy?
1: Oh, that's pretty easy. I think um, be humble and be of service. And, and, and lastly, the third thing, it's not about me. Meaning when you're a leader, it should never be about you. You are the, you are the conduit. You might be the catalyst. Um, you might be the the bowl or the cup that carries something, but it's not about you. When you make your leadership about everyone else around you, you stay humble and you be of service, you'll be a great leader that's but that's my philosophy, right some there are places and cultures in the world where leadership is about strength and standing up and being active and um, you know and and that's that's that culture's belief in leadership so Everybody's is different, but I can reconcile my own life and my own leadership journey if I am humble, if I stay of service and I keep reminding myself it's not about me. Those three things.
0: In my opinion, being humble, it's a form of strength and it's actually have to be stronger to be able to be humble because we all have an ego and we like praises. It's really easy to fall prey to your ego. It's so easy.
1: Yeah, being humble. Don't don't mistake that for being weak either, right? Like people that are quiet. Don't don't mistake that for a lack of strength. Um, just because you're humble doesn't mean you're subservient or you know you you're you're weak. Being humble means you're acutely aware that other people should be valued, and that you shouldn't be valued more than them.
0: Yeah. Well said. Um, and going a little back, like because when you were to, uh, when you were saying the success story, you said like Mark was a great listener, mm-hmm. and that was like one of his superpowers. And it's something that I heard like on several interviews I did. Like people said, like listen, if you want to be a good leader, develop your listening skills. So how 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 has impacted being your ability to listen to people? Your leadership skills and the results you got with um, different teams in different organizations?
1: I, I personally think, you know, uh, listening is part of communication. And I think that communication is one of the three key pillars or legs or whatever that all leaders must have. Great communication and listening is a key to that. So for me, in impacting, it's right up there at the top. You know, there, there were things that when I was a leader early on and I got a title or whatever, I thought in meetings, like for instance, I would need to be the one that people were looking to for answers. So I needed to speak and I needed to talk more and I needed to have the final say. But what I, what I came to realize through teaching and or learning and mentorship and that kind of thing is when I speak, it squelches other people's voice. You know, maybe they don't speak up because they don't think I'm going to appreciate their idea or I don't value them. So, you know, one of the practices that I had as a CEO, for instance, and in many other positions, I would, I would tell the team early on, listen, don't misread what's going to happen in this meeting, but I'm not going to speak. And you can look at my face and you can look for clues, but I'm not doing that because my voice is not the most important voice in this room. You guys all have the skills, the talent to solve this problem. If you need me, I will speak, but otherwise I'm going to listen. And, and so we would set that precedent right up front. And, um, you know, when, when people are frustrated most of the time in the world, it's because they don't feel like they're being heard. And so if you want to be a great leader, listen to people and not just listen like in one ear and out the other, but, you know, actively listen and really listen to understand and be empathetic, not listen to reply or, you know, listen to argue or for conflict. So yeah, I think it's right up there at the top of the things that helped me in my leadership journey. listening.
0: And thank you, Dwayne, so much for sharing like this story and this leadership tip, because it's hard for people to believe that listening would be a key to it. And especially like you're a newly minted uh, leader, you want to show like your title and everything, you have that impulse. It's not like, Something happens. It's like a switch. I I lived through it myself. I don't know why a, a, a little uh, ego there working. But no, the it's key not, to to succeed, is listening.
1: Yeah, and and it's natural. So I just almost stepped on your voice right there. Um, no problem. I was. I'm in. A, I'm in agreement with you. I, I'm so passionately in agreement with you. But give yourself some grace because what happens when you're given something? Um, uh, naturally as humans, we try to validate that re receiving that. So if somebody gives you a gift, you try to validate Was I kind enough? Did I really, should I, did I deserve this? If you get a promotion, you feel like I got to validate either the title or the more money they're giving me or more authority. And so you feel like you have to up what you're doing. Right. And, and so what happens yeah. with leaders many times is they mistake that for, I have to speak more. I have to be more active. Um, and in reality, less is more in a lot of instances. Yes. Right. So great leaders are in those positions because they're getting more out of other people. And the mistake that most leaders make is, is they think they have to do more. Right. That's yes. a, that's a so big well misnomer. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And since we're talking about newly minted leaders, what would be your top three leadership tips for them?
1: top three leadership tips. Um, well, I'll make it easy because somebody long ago taught me these different things at different times in my life. And I just wanted to package them where people could digest it. So first is I'll give you the, yeah, I'll give you it's ABC. You know how like as children you learn in your language or whatever you ABC. Okay. Um, a is for awareness right so as a leader the first okay. thing you need to be is yeah you need to be aware and the first thing is you need to be self aware so oh, your yes. strengths your weaknesses your tendencies how do you respond under pressure are you the first one to talk in a meeting and are you the last one to talk you know are you controlling those kind of things and then of, of course aware of other people around you and then you, when you become you, you mentioned superpower earlier when you become a jedi or even you know a yoda is when you yes. are aware when you are aware of yourself and others and, and what's happening between the two, that third level of awareness of how, you, how your behavior oh. and how their behavior is created, that's when you're really in another level. Right? So that's the A awareness. The B is your behavior. So be okay. aware of yeah, be aware of your behavior, your habits, your tendencies. And here's why. Leadership is demonstrated. You know, we talked earlier about Mark showing up on a job site and picking up trash, et cetera. People, people are watching to see if your words are congruent with your actions when you're a leader. So your behavior is so important. So if you say For you're sure. a leader, but when somebody else is talking, you're looking at your phone or you're rolling your eyes or whatever, you're, you're not behaving oh, yeah. that right. Or if your habit is to not schedule enough time to listen to other people or, you know, whatever it is. So your behavior is real important. That leads to your C, which for me is about communication. So if you want to be a great leader, first of all, be aware, self-aware, aware aware of others. Um, Monitor your behaviors. What are your habits? What are your tendencies? And then improve your communication. Self-communication, of course, just like awareness, you got to start with how do you talk to yourself, that little voice in your head. You know, the, before you walk yes. into a meeting, you already, yeah, you already start playing out a narrative of how something's going to go and how a conversation's going to go and all that. You've you got to be careful of that. And then what you're communicating with other people verbally and non-verbally, because if you're not congruent as a leader, everybody knows it everybody knows we all know when we watch a leader that we know like they really believe what they're saying. Yes. Right. (laughs) We, we, we know it a hundred percent and then we know like that person is just talking and they don't believe a word they say. So yeah, work on your communication, which as you mentioned earlier, includes listening. It, it also includes, you know, nonverbal communication, how you you approach people, the respect that you give them, the space that you give them, which is different culturally all around the world. So. Yeah, I think those three tips, be aware of your, you know, watch your behaviors and, and improve your communication.
0: Exactly. And I love, I love like how you said, like in communication, be even like your nonverbal communication is important because you might not be saying anything. So you're listening, but you might be shouting with your body, <laughs> especially <laughs> if you're in a meeting, playing on a game.
1: Clearly, right. it's right. It's, Well, there's there are times and and I'll point it out to people when let's say you really don't have a lot of time as a leader and you're in a hurry and and you know that the person has a a fair concern, but you don't really have time to listen to them. And so as they begin to tell you, you shuffle your feet and you turn your feet a little bit subconsciously, but you turn your feet towards the door like you're ready to leave. That other person knows what you're doing. They feel they sense that they feel that. So then they know you're not truly engaged. You're not present. And, and so what you're communicating to them is, yeah, I'm the leader and what you have to say might be important, but I just don't have time for you right now. That's really what you're communicating.
0: Oh, yes. And, and I like how you package them in the ABCs of leadership. So,
1: <laughs> you know, sometimes. Really I, I, well, thanks. Um, I, I've said it for a long time. We are, uh, you know, life and business and sports and all that. It's a simple game played by complex people. So if the game is simple, let's just keep the definitions and the explanation simple. A, B, C, I mean, we don't have to get to M and N and O. We don't need to go that far. If we become more aware and, our, and we adjust our behavior, we communicate better, no matter what level of leader we are, we're going to be way more effective. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. And since we're talking about the ABCs, let's switch to the reading part. What would Ooh, be the book that had the most profound impact on you?
1: Wow. Um, <laughs> that's a loaded question because I have a pretty good library and <laughs> uh, I, I feel as though I'm fairly well read and I read books that I might not like but I read them to learn anyway and awesome. um, right and because if I don't stretch my viewpoint then how will I ever grow exactly but I'm also an author and one of the books that I read kind of It impacted me in a way that allowed me to believe that I could also tell a story that would be important and, and through a parable. And I think it's actually, I know it is, it's one of your guests, past guests. So, yeah. So Bob Berg wrote a book. He's written several with John David Mann, but he wrote a book called the go giver. And in that it's a, it's a, it's an easy parable, simple parable, but it is very profound. And it, and it really matched and aligned with, my mentality or my thinking, what I had become as a leader, what I thought was important, so it it was an affirmation for me, if that makes sense and yes. and it was and it was also a blueprint for how I was going to write my books, so I write in parable. The only difference is is I also include real people and real stories from my life and people that I know in my books. but that Amazing. book yeah, thank you that book probably was. Yeah, that's, that's the one that's near and dear to my heart. There are others, you know, when I was coaching in college, I would give uh, The Richest Man in Babylon to every graduating oh, senior. That's yes. by George Clayson, right? So that they would learn about money and finance. Um, you know, the, the Greatest Salesman in the World by Ogmandino. Or there are books, um, As a Man Thinketh, you know. Um, there, are, there are value to be found in all kinds of books, but that one probably touches my heart and is the one that's most personal to me. Um, and because Bob is a dear friend, and he is one of the people on this planet that walks his talk.
0: Yes, I mean, he, Bob is amazing.
1: He, yeah, and, and so for me, it's another light or a beacon out there that says you can you can follow a certain path and find success. Yeah.:
0: And Dwayne, if people want to find out more about you, where should they go?)
1: Uh, well, in this world, you can you know you can Google as long as you spell it D U A N E. My last name is Cummings C U M M I N G S, and you'll find me. But if you go to my website dwaynecumings.com, I'm not one of those people that you know is is pushing out for the mailing list all the time, and I'm not sending you notifications every day and all that. But there's enough information on there. You can find you can link to my YouTube, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, LinkedIn I'll
0: put the links in
1: yeah, Twitter, all the different platforms on there, and um, i I don't write as often in blog form as I used to, but I still write blogs that go on there and I create some videos once in a while, so that's probably the easiest way, but the other thing is is that, you know having a social media manager is is important when you have lots to handle, yes. but I also respond to every person myself. It might take me a little while to get back to them, but I respond so to every gracious of you. Well, it, it, that's kind of you to say. But in reality, I'm no different or better than anyone else. I'm just maybe I have more connections, let's just say. But otherwise, <laughs> I, I breathe breathing the same air that you're breathing. We have the same kind of blood. We're living the same kind of life. So, um, you know, and, and there are 7.5 billion people on the planet. So even if I wanted to meet yes. everybody, the chances are just with the time restriction, I couldn't. But if somebody's going to take the time to reach out to me, I definitely wouldn't be the right kind of human if I didn't correspond. So,
0: and, and Dwayne, you teased a little about your book, which is in parable form. So, to say the oh. title of it, so people scroll, <laughs> I want to to pick it up.
1: Well, uh, thank you. the The one that's out right now is the Sensational Leader, and since you you know your leadership podcast is it's important, the seven in this series. The first one was the Sensational Salesman. And and sometimes the names are a little bit of a misnomer because the oh, main characters, yeah, there's seven books in the series. The main characters travel through all seven books, learning different lessons. There are real people in these books. So Bob Berg is, you know, in one of the books. Um, oh. and But they're standalone. Yeah, they're standalone. So you don't have to read them in order. You don't have to read, you know, the first one and the second one. They... But it would be like um, we talked about Yoda earlier. It would be like the Star Wars movies. You could watch the last one first or the first one last or whatever. It wouldn't matter. You can always figure it out. So, yeah, but the sensational leader. um, (laughs) Thank you. Fortunately or unfortunately, lots of people have, have purchased the book. And so there's new copies available still from, you know barnes and noble or amazon or the publisher and there's also used copies even on ebay and places so it should be pretty easy and there's e-copies so it should be pretty easy and affordable
0: that's good news <laughs> thank and you Wayne, i want to thank you so much for coming on the show it's been a true pleasure having you thank you so much
1: oh thank you you're you're welcome and thank you very, very much andre i mean Um, I'm proud of what you're doing you're an amazing leader bringing other people's voices is a great leadership trait and so keep impacting your community in a positive way because it's, it's much needed and I'm humbled and honored and it was a privilege to be with you today
0: thank you so much have a great day bye bye
1: you too bye bye
0: that was today's episode tune in daily rate, like, subscribe and share please oh you can find further info and materials in the show notes on techileadership.com, including links to the guest book recommendations.